Hey everyone, you're listening to the MLEPC podcast. Thank you for joining us. The podcast features every previous Sunday's sermon and plenty of other cool content like interviews and mini-series. Please remember to share our content and subscribe to our channel so you can stay up to date with everything that we create. You can find out more about what's happening at the church by visiting our website at mlepc.org or checking us out on our social media. Once again, we thank you for tuning in to the MLEPC podcast, and we hope to see you at an event soon. Good morning. It is good to be with all of you this morning, and everybody who's a little glad that it's warmer today, say hi. <laughs> um, I, Liz Mayfield was teasing me. I walked in without a coat, and, I'm, and she was like, where's your coat? And I said, hey, I'm adapting to Pittsburgh. <laughs> So as we are continuing our series, we just started last week, our series on the Gospel of Mark. Um, it's, it's one of my favorite Gospels. I mean, they're all amazing in their own right. Mark is one of those, he, he's very fast-paced. He wants you to know Jesus, and he's going to show you Jesus over and over and over again very quickly. He loves the word immediately or just then. You'll see that over and over as we read through Mark. Um, but he wants you, he, he, he's not about all the fluff. He's not about all the, the, the kind of pontificating. He wants you to know the core and basic things about Jesus. So as we turn to the second half of the gospel of Mark, or the second half of, of chapter one in the gospel of Mark, first I'm going to read um, Isaiah 55, um, verses 1 through 5, and then we'll turn to Mark, starting with Mark 1, 14. This is Isaiah 55. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you will have, you who have no money, come, buy, and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread, and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me, and eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest fare. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations you do not know will come running to you. Because the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. That invitation in Isaiah 55 is what we then see as Jesus begins his ministry. We'll read from Mark 1, 14 to 34. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his, his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, there's the invitation, come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in the boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then a man who was in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, 
What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching and, and with authority? He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So, they, so he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak, because they knew who he was. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Holy God, we do thank you for your holy word. We thank you that you have revealed to us who Jesus is. It's not just a Jesus of our minds, but it's a Jesus in reality. Lord, as we study the book of Mark, we pray that Jesus would become more and more alive to us, more and more, more personal. Help us to see ourselves in those stories, Lord, as we, as we follow you and as we seek to become more like you. Transform our hearts and make us not just fishermen, but fishers of men, fishers of people. Lord God, may the words of my mouth and the words of all of, meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. As I said, Jesus sort of bursts into the scene in the Gospel of Mark. He, he immediately goes out. He immediately goes to the synagogue. He immediately goes to, to Peter's house. He immediately is told about Peter's mother and mother-in-law. He immediately heals her. It's just one thing after another. It's a very fast-paced thing. As we look at this, this first chapter of the Gospel of Mark, there's only 15, 16 chapters in Mark, um, but this first chapter sort of sums up the first half all the way to the resurrection. You're going to see what Jesus does over and over. He speaks with authority. He, he is one who teaches in a different way than any teaching that, that the people have heard up until that time. He, he speaks uh, and he calls out for repentance, and not just the same repentance as John the Baptist, but a, a, a fuller repentance, one that will call you to believe in God, to believe in the power of the Holy Spirit, and to believe in Jesus himself. Whosoever believes in Jesus will have eternal life. As we see this, we also see him presenting supernatural acts. Jesus is not just someone who is a teacher. I saw a poll recently that said 43% of people who identify as evangelicals don't believe Jesus is God. Isn't that incredible? 43% of people who identify as evangelicals don't believe Jesus is God. Well, as we study Mark, you will see time and time again, Mark is trying to say Jesus is God. He is the Holy One of God. He is the Messiah. He's the Son of God. Jesus is not just a mere mortal who gets to do magic tricks. Jesus is the truth of God, the word of God, the embodiment of God. And we'll be seeing that over and over again. That supernatural act takes, takes on healings that people can't even imagine. 
He even at the end of, of chapter one heals leprosy. And throughout the Old Testament, you see the, the word is that leprosy can only be healed by God. Humans cannot heal leprosy. So when he heals the leper, everyone is shocked and amazed. We also see this incredible confrontation with demons. And we'll see that over and over again throughout Mark as well. There is something that God, Jesus is doing that is not just physical. It's not just human. It is supernatural. And as we look through this chapter today, I hope you see the fullness of Jesus Christ immediately present then and immediately present now. Jesus is with us even now. So let's dive in to see what he has to say. As we see this first proclamation that he makes in John 15, the time has come. It is time. Can you imagine God like opening up the heavens and saying, it is time. I mean, it's, it's like a goosebumps moment. He's saying not just, you know, it's four o'clock in the afternoon. He's saying this is the, the, the pinnacle of the moment that you all have been waiting for for, for millennia. That God has been silent for 400 years. Now it is time for God to speak. These are the first words that Jesus speaks in all of Mark. Now is the time. The kingdom of God is at hand. I've, I've told you before, my dad would always say, the kingdom of God is at hand. How close is your hand? It's right here. This is the beginning of the kingdom. The kingdom is breaking in to, to human time, to human space. The kingdom of God, as we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Imagine all of God's power in the kingdom of heaven. And now that kingdom has broken in to the kingdom of the world. And Jesus is saying, I am here and it is time. All of creation will, will be ordered under God's kingdom, not under whatever way it wants to go. We think of the kingdom as a now and not yet thing. Jesus Christ was the, was the inbreak of the kingdom. He's, it, he is the initiator of the kingdom coming into humanity. But it won't be fulfilled until Jesus comes back the second time. So in this now and not yet season, we see conflict between the kingdoms. Jesus' kingdom is here. We are ambassadors, citizens of that kingdom. But that kingdom will not be in its fullness, its, its most completeness, until Jesus returns again. But Jesus is saying, the kingdom is here. Repent and believe. Repent, set yourself free from all the stuff that's been holding you by believing Jesus. If you put your faith in Jesus, he is the one who will wipe the slate clean. He is the one that will be, bring grace and freedom. When Jesus is saying repent, it's like let, let go of everything that's been controlling you and give it, uh, give it to the Lord. Uh, he, he, both of those words, repent and believe, they're, they're called present imperatives. These are, uh, do this now. It's like a command, do this now. And, and you will know the fullness of the kingdom of God. The next thing that he does, he needs to have disciples. He needs to have people with him who will learn from him and, and be able to carry on his message after he's gone. And the way that he calls disciples is just kind of incredible. He's walking along the seashore of the Sea of Galilee, which is just basically a giant lake. There's these fishermen out there, and he says, you, come with me. <laughs> How would you respond to that? It's this amazing experience, and you know that Jesus must have had some presence, some authority there that, that, that is not just a, a guy on the lakeshore saying, hey, come over here. 
It is a life-changing moment for these guys. For four disciples, he calls this way, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of people. That's an invitation, come. It's, it's a follow me. It's a, it's a, this is a path of discipleship. This isn't just a one-time encounter. This is going to be a life-changing event. Follow me. Follow me not just as, as I'm walking this way, but follow me in the way that I live, in the way that I, I minister, in the way that I impact people. He's inviting them into this path of, of, of discipleship. They are truly followers of Christ. When we worked on our new mission statement, we wanted to use that term instead of disciple because disciple is kind of a churchy word, right? We Christians love to have churchy words, but when we say followers of Jesus, that's following him, living like him, but it's also following him into ministry. It's following him on the highways and byways. It's following him into places where uh, he got criticized for dining with the tax collectors and sinners. It's following him, the good shepherd who seeks after the lost sheep. That is what it means to follow Jesus. So as he gives this invitation to follow him, he immediately gives a new calling on their lives as well. In our videos that we're following with Francis Chan, he emphasizes this over and over, the calling that God has in our lives. It's not just live this way, it's be my ambassadors, tell others about me. The fishers of men phrase, fishing for people, that is actually not, when Jesus uses that, that's not the first time in the Bible it's used. In, in Jeremiah and Amos and uh, Ezekiel, there are, are different passages where God sends fishermen to go after people. But in each of those cases, it's going after them for judgment, going after those who have gone astray. He says, I'm going to send fishermen, I'm going to send hunters to hunt them down. It's, a, it's, it's a, a, a pretty harsh judgment for those people who have strayed from God, those people who are disobeying God over and over. But this kind of fisherman, Jesus transforms that image and that idea because he's fishing for people to set them free, to take them out of captivity and give them new life, to give them not only life but life abundant. God is wanting to, to capture those who have been captured by the enemy. It's like almost like fishing in a fish tank so that you can set those, those fish free in the ocean where they're supposed to be. God is wanting to, to rescue us. I'm going to help you fish, but I'm going to have you rescue those who are trapped in the way of the enemy so that you can be free to be who God has truly called you to be. As he gives them this, this call of discipleship and then this call for evangelism. Uh, here is your, your calling of how you should be and here's your calling for what you should do. We think a lot about what that means for us. We aren't just called to be Christians. We aren't just called to come to church on Sundays and, and, and do the things and read our Bibles. We're called to go out. That's part of our calling. That we are not only to stay here, but to, to go out as well. So imagine, so these four guys are now following Jesus, and they follow him into the, into the synagogue, not really knowing what he's up to. <laughs> they're, they're still, this is brand new. They're like, okay, we'll see where this goes. And they go into the synagogue. 
Now, a synagogue was, was obviously not the temple in Jerusalem, but it was wherever there were 10 Jewish men that would gather together. Um, the word synagogue means together. And so they walk into the synagogue, and it was tradition for different people to read from the scrolls. And so Jesus takes the scroll, and Luke, it says that he opens up the scroll, and he turns to Isaiah, and, and he, he reads, Today the word is fulfilled in your hearing. I will speak. Uh, sight, bring sight to the blind, and bind up the brokenhearted, and release to the captives. And today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. In Mark, he doesn't quote that passage, but he does remark on the most important piece when everybody goes, who is this guy? And why in the world does he have that kind of authority? I mean, the scribes, the Pharisees, they, they were used to people in authority. They were used to people, the centurions, the Romans, who had a lot of power. But Jesus brought a whole different kind of authority into the room. And everybody marveled at that. What is this? This is different. It wasn't just, again, a, just a teacher who knew scripture well. This was a whole different genre, a whole different kind of person. And the first thing that happens as Jesus proclaims truth, Satan hates truth. Satan can't be in the same place as worship and truth. And so what happens, this guy who is, is oppressed by a, a demon, that demon like like and instantly riles up and and comes after jesus it, it's saying um just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out what do you want with us jesus of nazareth nazareth have you come to destroy us can you imagine being in the room and all of a sudden this guy manifests uh an impure spirit in front of jesus what do you want from us Instantly, as soon as Jesus speaks the truth in a voice of authority, the, the dark side knows that the battle is on. They know that they are not going to be able to just do whatever they want anymore. Suddenly, Jesus of Nazareth is the one who will confront them. And not just confront them, but destroy them. So Jesus, like this, this demon says, I know who you are. I know who you are. Can you imagine? I mean, the enemy knows the, the enemy knows God really well. He knows Scripture really well. He's good at quoting the Scripture, but he is not willing to bow to the authority of Christ. He's not willing to say, "You are Lord and Master." The enemy is always wanting to be his own master, and so this this demon wants to to push back at Jesus Christ, and, and Jesus and Jesus stops him and calls him out. Be quiet. Come out of him. He doesn't have to do anything dramatic. He just says, be quiet and come out of him. That is a level of authority that had everyone stunned. Again, this is supernatural authority. This isn't just human authority. I've had a lot of questions about demons and the in, uh, impact of, of uh, the kind of the dark side, the enemy, Satan trying to come after us. Jesus believed in demons. So I believe in demons. I, I, the Bible makes a difference between sicknesses and, and demonic things. Demonic stuff can bring sickness. It doesn't always. We shouldn't be looking for a demon after, behind every single bush. But demons can. They don't possess Christians because we are possessed by the Holy Spirit. But they can oppress. 
So they can be the heavy thing that's, that's keeping us uh, in a fog or, or, or just constantly fighting against the same thing over and over again. But Jesus wants to say, be quiet, come out of him. Jesus wants to set us free from that oppression. And he has the power to do that. The Holy Spirit has the power to do that, to set us free. Like things that, that come down through families, God can set that for us free from that and transform our lives as Jesus transformed this man. So in, in addition to, to healing this guy from a demon, he also then goes, I love the scene where he, Jesus walks into Peter's house. A few of you have been to Capernaum. You know that Peter's house was not far at all from the synagogue. It was about, uh, the one uh, text I've said was 83 feet. That's like not as far as from here to the, the sharing center. It, it's really close by. So Jesus comes with his four disciples. Hi, Mom, I'm home. And the mother-in-law, they immediately tell him, as soon as he walks in the door, they immediately tell him that his mother-in-law is sick with a fever. Now, fever could be dangerous in those days without anything to, to treat that. Um, and, and so Jesus immediately has compassion on her, and he, and he heals her. He went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. Isn't that simple? He doesn't even say anything. He just takes her hand and helps her up. And then like a good Jewish mother, she wants to immediately start feeding them. <laughs> okay, eat. <laughs> And Jesus transforms that household as soon as he walks into it. And everybody starts to hear about what Jesus is doing. This is still the Sabbath. So, so people had gone to their own homes, but the, the word spread really quickly as soon as Jesus did this. So as soon as, the, it says, as soon as the sun goes down, everybody shows up at the door. As soon as they were able to travel at all, as soon as the Sabbath was over at sunset, Everyone showed up at, at, at Jesus' door, and he starts healing people and delivering them from the demonic oppression and, and sets them free. And this transformation happens in this whole community. But immediately we see that people see Jesus as being able to do magic tricks. He is able to do really cool stuff. He's able to help us, but they aren't interested in who Jesus is for himself. Jesus Christ, the embodiment of God himself, immediately becomes somebody they can use for their benefit. And Jesus is wanting to say, get to know me before you do all of these other things. Jesus realizes, it says um, in verse 45, after he healed the leper, um, the, the man went out and like told the man not to tell what was going on. And instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in the lonely places. Yet people still came to him uh, from everywhere. So people are longing to understand this, but Jesus knows that if, if all he does is heal people, people will miss the message that's one reason why he tells the demon not to tell people who he is yet. He wants people to understand his, his, his personhood, his teaching. They, they, he wants them to understand why he's there before they get to do all of these things that will only benefit themselves. In another place, Jesus calls them out saying, all you want are signs. <laughs> but then he said, the only sign you're going to get is the sign of Jonah. Jonah, the one who was considered dead for three days in the whale and, and the big fish and then was, it came back to life. 
Jesus is saying the only sign you're going to get, the only sign you can hold on to is my death and resurrection. But Jesus Christ, he is one who speaks with authority, not just authority over humans, but authority over the supernatural. He is the one who can do healings and miracles and cast out demons. He is the one who can call with one phrase, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And it changes people's lives instantly and forever. This is the Jesus that we follow even today. This is the Jesus who is calling out that, that people want to understand and know about. I saw an interesting um, study. Bar, the Barna Group does statistical studies about a, a thousand different things. And it found that 77% of teenagers wanted to learn more about Jesus. 77% of today's teenagers want to learn more about Jesus. That's not just the Christian kids. That's all of them wanted to know more about Jesus. Here's a fascinating thing. Do you know who they trust most to hear about Jesus? Pastors? No. <laughs> Pastors were, were at 43%. They would, trust, they, they would trust to know about Jesus. Who else would they trust? The number one, the number one person that they would trust to learn more about Jesus was family. So if you have teenagers, if you have grandchildren... They will trust you. They will listen to you when you talk about Jesus. That is the first group of people you should be discipling is the kids in your household. The, the, I have lots of nieces and nephews. They should be my first call to share who Jesus is. Um, we also see that, that same trend in adults as well. 44% of people said they were, since the pandemic, they were more interested in learning about God. 44% were more likely to, to want to understand about God uh, than, than, than before the pandemic. The pandemic has opened up uh, a longing. They've, people have realized that this tangible earth, is, is, it, there's something missing here. They're longing for the transcendent. They're longing for something bigger than themselves. And they are ripe. Jesus says the, the, the harvest is, is ready, but the workers are few. Brothers and sisters, people around us are hungry. I was, I was watching a new TV show, um, medical drama. I love that kind of thing. And, and at one point, this woman had her husband had cancer, and they didn't know if he'd make it. And she cried out in the middle of this you know, very secular TV show, I, I'm not a religious person. I don't know how to pray. Somebody teach me how to pray. And, and I felt like that was a cry of our world today. Teach me how to pray. They, they long for something that's bigger than their problems. They long for something that's, that's bigger than the world they can see that is so fleeting. It can shut down in a moment. Brothers and sisters, we have a call on our lives. And this is a time when people are hungry for that. I love the stories that Jack Gasturo has been telling us. We, he shared a few weeks ago about how God is using him to share the gospel on the Bucknell campus how God is, is giving him chances to share with people, whether they are students or uh, he, he helps high school football players. And he's, he's talked to people in grocery stores. People are hungry to hear about God. And the kids that he has brought to faith, they, he has, has, has shared Jesus so often in front of them that they've learned how to do it themselves. And even before they understand everything about God, they instantly want to tell that good news as well. 
You don't have to know everything about Jesus before you can tell people the good news. We're all on a journey. None of us will ever know everything about God until we get to heaven. But anything that you have, come and see. Remember that the Samaritan woman, all she had to do was go back to her, house, her village and say, come, you've got to meet this guy. When we were choosing how to phrase our, our new vision statement, we, we went back and forth between the words in, inviting people into the household of God versus it welcoming. We, did, we went with welcoming, but we wanted to, to keep that sense of every single one of us needing to give that invitation. We want to make disciples of Jesus who make disciples of Jesus. Making and growing disciples is not just the task of, uh, of the staff. It's not just the task of the elders. It's every single one of us is called to become a fisher of men. That's part of who we want to be as a church, that God is forming us. We are following him. And we are also following him into the highways and byways to invite others into the household of God. This is the place, not just where God can do miracles. And I do still believe that God is in the miracle business. I've seen it myself. When one woman I prayed with one time, I was praying with a group of people uh, for this one woman who had an inoperable ulcer. And we prayed with her. She was harboring a bunch of unforgiveness and it was like that was the demonic oppression on her that she she was trapped in unforgiveness and as she released that we continued to pray for her healing and her stomach gurgled as we were praying for her she went in to have an endoscopy the next day and that ulcer was gone the doctor was like you know how is that even possible there was nothing left but scar tissue from that ulcer i believe god is still in the miracle business but those miracles are not just miracles in and of themselves, not just to stand alone there, to point us to Jesus. Jesus Christ is the God of heaven and earth, both. He is the God of yesterday, today, and forever. He is the same. He is the miracle-working God. He is over all of, uh, all of angels and demons, and he is the one who can set us free and draw us to himself. But he is the one who loves you. He is the one who wants to be real to you. He wants to be in relationship with you. He did not come just to do magic tricks. He came to dwell with you, to be in your hearts, and to lead you and guide you, to fill you with grace, to set you free from the trap that you've been in. That is the invitation that we have now. Come and see this incredible person that is God and human put together. He is the one who has come to bridge that gap, to, to make a way for us to enter into the presence of God. Are you willing to come and see? And if you come and see, are you willing, when Jesus invites you, follow me, are you going to say, okay, God, I'll follow you? Are you willing to, to surrender your own path and say, it's all yours, Jesus. You have the best path. You know the best way. You have good plans. And I will trust you to be my future and my hope. And once you say, okay, God, I will follow you, are you willing him to follow him to the fishing grounds? Are you willing to follow him to places where people are starving for what is true? Are you willing to follow him to invite others to come into his presence and know him? Brothers and sisters, this is the God that we serve. 
the God who speaks freedom and blessing and healing and power. And he is inviting every single one of, one of us to his presence. This is why we set a table. It's the table is an invitation into his presence to know that he is the one who feeds us even now and sends us out into the world to draw others to him. May he be glorified in our lives, in our words, in our deeds, and throughout all the time, to him be the glory. Amen. Let's pray. Holy God, we do thank you and we praise you for who you are, for all that you have done, for transforming our lives. Lord, forgive us for seeing you as, as, as the one who does magic tricks or the ones who will make everything all better. But Lord, we pray that you would help us know you to know your love for us, to know your love for the world, that to know that you, as you call us to follow you, you are also calling us to be sent out to share your good news with the world. Lord, help us to see others as lost and hungry. Help us to have compassion as you had compassion on the crowds who were like sheep without a shepherd. Lord, we pray for your transforming power that we would live for your glory and your glory alone. Lord, we lift up those around us who are hurting right now. We pray for uh, Bibi and, Le uh, and Leon's daughter, Bibi, who is in the hospital. We pray for those who are, are suffering uh, loss. We pray for Alex Fry, who um, said goodbye to her mom last week. We pray for those who are, are grieving in, in memory and long anniversaries of death. Lord, we know that you are the one who has conquered death and we put our hope in you for those we have lost. Lord, we pray for those who are lost and don't know you. Lord, we pray that you would show us, give us your eyes to see those who need to hear your gospel today. Lord, give us the courage. We, we just let go of fear that we will be rejected. We are accepted in the beloved, and no matter how many times other people reject us, we will always be accepted. But how incredible to, to help others to feel that they too are accepted in you, the beloved. Lord, we thank you that you have called us to be your children. And we, we pray as you taught us to pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And leave us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Brothers and sisters, please rise now and as we proclaim our faith in Jesus Christ through the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. And there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. 
Hi, this is Pastor Carolyn. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you'd like to find out more about our church, you can check out our website at mlepc.org and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a podcast. Have a blessed day.